0: lies to us the world tells us that we're okay without god that we don't need god that by golly we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps we can work harder we can do more christianity is the only religion in the world that tells us that we cannot no matter how hard we try we cannot earn god's grace this is season eight of guerrilla christianity My name is Pastor Brett Walker, and I'd like to thank you for listening to Guerrilla Christianity, an unconventional, no-apologies exposition of God's grace from an evangelical, Methodist point of view. God's Holy Word is central to all we believe, so let's get into God's Word right now. Now hear the Word of the Lord for us today from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 18-25. through For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided, through the foolishness of our proclamation, to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks desire wisdom. But we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. What is wisdom? In a modern sense, wisdom is the application of accumulated knowledge. Wisdom is the application of accumulated knowledge. As we live our lives and learn from our experiences, we begin to understand the world better, and we understand that different situations call for different responses. For example, I learned very early on that the phrase, What seems to be the problem, officer, is not a wise statement. (laughs) I learned through experience that the best course of action when I get pulled over, and I did get pulled over a lot in my younger days, is to be compliant and to admit to my fault. When we're talking about a belief system, we're talking about a collective wisdom of many generations handed down to us. The problem is, oftentimes, we need to experience things on our own to best learn from them. Which is why, at the age of five, when my mother told me not to touch the red glowing stovetop, I just had to touch it to find out why. But I can assure you, that's a lesson quickly learned. And so, often we see people going out into the world despite what they've learned from Scripture. Sometimes they'll they'll remember the words they've learned from God's Word and return to the only place that makes sense. Sometimes they believe the lies of the world, that all truth is relative, that my truth and your truth, though contradictory, can be true for each of us. That is foolishness. Two contradictory statements cannot possibly both be true. Either both are false, or one is true, but they cannot both be true. This is where we find ourselves today. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. I want to go back a little bit, uh, as I often do, I want to go back just a uh, Seven verses, or eight verses, to verse 10. Uh, Verse 10 in the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians says this. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement, and there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. See, Paul wrote this letter to address an issue in Corinth which was a division in the church. And the division arose because of who people learned from. For example, some learned from Apollos, and some learned from Paul. Now, the way it happened was like this. Paul first established the church in Corinth. He spent a year and a half there. We see this in Acts chapter 18. He came to Corinth from uh, Athens. He met a couple named Aquila and Priscilla who were very strong in their faith and very knowledgeable. And they believed in God and they had great wisdom, uh, as it were. Now, Paul taught there for over a year and a half. And in the meantime, Apollos began to teach in Ephesus. Now, Apollos had book learning But he didn't have the experience, and he he only understood baptism uh, as was taught by John the Baptist, a baptism of repentance. He didn't understand the baptism in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He only understood the baptism of repentance that John taught. So Aquila and Priscilla helped him to understand better. Now, Apollos went to Corinth, and Paul went to Ephesus. We see this a lot in our own church, uh, where where one pastor will be appointed at a church for a number of years, and then he'll go to another church, and another pastor will come in. Now, I find wisdom in that. I do, In in the itinerant system of the United Methodist Church. And the reason I say that is this. It's important not to get fixated on the messenger. It's important to remain true to the message. Listen to the message. In whatever way it is presented, from ever lips it is coming, it's not the messenger that is important. It is the message, and the message, as Paul writes here, is the message of the cross. It's the gospel. It's the good news. It is God's good news for us because we were separated from God in our sin. And God loved us so much that even though He is a just God and demands, must have a, a punishment, it would be unjust and unloving For God to just let people sin without repercussion. But someone stepped forward and paid our punishment. And that was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who lived a perfect life as a man. Fully God and fully human. And he bore our sins on the cross because he had no sins of his own to bear. And he laid in the earth for three days. He died the death that we deserve. And then on the third day, he rose again from the dead. Thus conquering death for each of us and offering to each of us eternal life in his name. That's the good news. And no matter whose mouth we hear that from, it's always the same good news. The presentation might be different. The face might be different. The voice might be different. You might have a pastor who is very passionate. You might have a pastor who is very stoic. Either way, as long as they're preaching the gospel message, that is the message that we seek. And we seek not to follow after people. A lot of churches, especially megachurches, fall into this trap where they're following the pastor who happens to be the personality. This is what the church in Corinth was doing. Some of them were saying, well, I belong to Paul. And some were saying, well, I belong to Apollos. Some were saying, I belong to Peter. These are just men, you know? And men are fallible. We've seen that in the news in in recent times, that the best of us can be the worst at times. We are all sinful. We all fall into sin. Now, we pray that our brothers and sisters who are proclaiming the word will be strong in the word and will proclaim it rightly. But the fact of the matter is, we are still human beings and we can still fall. We need to be gracious as God is gracious, and we need to be forgiving as God is forgiving. God's forgiven us much. But here we are, Paul is saying, It's been reported to me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean to say, each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or Peter, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? He's saying, is Christ now divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Then he goes on to say, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. And And he says, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you, because then you'd be saying, I belong to Paul. But that's not the truth. When we baptize people, who do we baptize them in the name of? When I baptize anyone, children or adult or otherwise, I'm not saying in the name of Brett Walker, I baptize you. No, I say I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's a Trinitarian baptism. And that's who we belong to. We don't belong to a person. We don't belong to a church or a denomination. We might be members of the local church, and that's very important because that's where we live out our Christian life. But we don't belong to that. We belong to Christ. We belong to God. And that's who we're baptized into. Then he finishes with this. Verse 17, this is leading right into where we are today. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might, be, might not be emptied of its power. Listen to what he just said. Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel. And not with eloquent wisdom. Now Paul probably knows the Scriptures more than anybody. He studied under a very strong rabbi named Gamaliel. And he was a Pharisee, which means he studied the Word constantly. And he knows Scripture, and you could tell that by the letters that he writes. But it's not with wisdom that he is preaching the Gospel. He's preaching the Gospel through the message of the Gospel, which stands alone. It doesn't need to be bolstered by human wisdom. It doesn't need to be shored up by some kind of knowledge or even apologetics. We spend a lot of time uh, trying to prove our faith. When in fact, the message of the cross is that what we believe is what we believe. And we can only believe it when we submit to it. When we submit To God's calling. The Holy Spirit enters into us. Gives us a new heart with new desires. And we become brand new. That's the message of the cross. Our sin and our old lives go to die on the cross of Jesus Christ. And we are reborn in his resurrection. That's the symbol of baptism. Going into the water. Going into the grave. And coming out again. Reborn. Reborn of water and the Spirit. So he says, I'm glad that that Christ didn't send me to baptize, but he sent me to proclaim the gospel and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of his power. So he said, it's not about me. It's not about the messenger. It's about the message. And what is the message? He says... Verse 18, this is where we are today. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. For those who have not been saved, the idea that God would die for them to rescue them from sin sounds ridiculous. In fact, in fact the word foolishness that Paul uses is Moriah. Moriah. It's the Greek word from which we get our word moron. It's moronic. It's moronic to the world to think that God would die for sinful people. It's moronic to think that, that there's no such thing as good people in the world. There really isn't. The Bible tells us that there is none good, no not one. there is none righteous. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the free gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the foolishness. That's the moronic statement to the world. That's what the world can't wrap its head around. The world cannot understand, cannot get that there is a God that loves them so much. For one thing, most people in the world don't think of themselves as bad people. I would say, I would dare say, you will never find anyone who is not saved, who thinks of themselves as a bad person. I'm sure that Al Capone thought he was doing a service to the community. You know? I'm sure that John Dillinger thought he was uh, some sort of modern-day Robin Hood, you know. The worst of the worst. Think of the worst person that you could possibly think of, and that person probably thought that they were pretty good. We're not. The world lies to us. The world tells us that we're okay without God, that we don't need God, that by golly, we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We can work harder. We can do more. Christianity is the only religion in the world that tells us that we cannot No matter how hard we try, we cannot earn God's grace. It's a gift freely given, despite our faults. That's the message of the cross, and it's foolishness to the world. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We who are saved understand that it's nothing in me, It's nothing that I can do that can bring about my salvation. I can't rescue myself. I'm drowning in the sea, and somebody throws me a lifeline, and I go, nope, I'll get myself out of this. How's that going to work out for me? The gospel is a lifeline. The message of the cross is a lifeline to those who are perishing. And all they have to do, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? All they have to do is to reach out and grab it. Reach out and grab it, that's all. Take hold of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But so few do. So few do. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who will find it. And narrow is the gate, and straight is the way that leads to life, and there are few who will find it. That's what Jesus said. Those are hard words. But again, the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to to us who are being saved. It is the power of God. Then he says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish The wisdom of the world. Now think what I said earlier about what wisdom is. The modern interpretation of wisdom is the application of accumulated knowledge. Okay? As we live and as we experience things, I should say that wisdom is the application of accumulated knowledge through experience. Okay? Because as we live and as we experience things, we start to understand the way the world works better. Why is it that young people seek the wisdom of the old? Because they know they've experienced some things. Some things that they haven't perhaps experienced. Well, who can we seek wisdom from who has been around the longest and has experienced the most? If not God himself. God is eternal. God has no beginning and no end. God created all of this. Everything that you see around us, God made all this. And so who knows better than God? God's wisdom to us, especially to those who don't want to believe in God or want to be accountable to God, God's wisdom is foolishness to them. But to us, who have been saved, God's wisdom makes the wisdom of this world foolishness. And there's that word again, Moriah. Moriah. It's moronic. The wisdom of the world is moronic to God. This is what he says. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom... See, God, the world will seek God through wisdom, okay, through the wisdom of the world. For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. He says, God is the one who saves. God is saving through the message, and the message is foolishness to those who are perishing. To those of us who are saved, it is the power of God. You see? So he uses foolish people, and I don't take offense to that. I I believe that God could do a lot better than me. Uh, And I've often said to God as much, you know, God, why why would you choose me? You know, I'm terrible at this. But God uses the foolish to confound the wise. He uses the weak to confound the strong. He uses a little shepherd boy like David to destroy a nine foot six warrior giant in armor with just a sling and a stone. You know, he, he uses someone like Paul, who was a murderer of Christians, to become the greatest evangelist of the first century who set up churches all over Europe and Asia. And, you know, we possibly wouldn't even be here if not for Paul's work in establishing those churches. So, this is what he says. Jews demand a sign, and Greeks desire wisdom. Now, this is very true. Uh, the Greeks would talk about things all day long. In fact, when, when, when Paul was in Athens... Um, in the book of Acts, uh, there was a line in there that says the people of Athens would do nothing all day but talk about some new thing. You know, they just wanted to talk and talk and talk and talk. Well, that was uh, the Socratic method. You know, they would try to reason and become wise through that, through that dialogue, through that discussion, through debate. You know, Greeks desire wisdom; Jews demand signs. Now. Uh, the Jews saw miracles in the desert. They saw the ten plagues. They saw the, the, the opening of the Red Sea. Um, they saw the finger of God carve the covenant on two tablets of stone. You know? So they needed to see signs from God in order to believe. And Jesus told them, quite frankly... No sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah lay in the belly of a fish for three days, so the Son of Man shall lie in the belly of the earth for three days and then rise again. That was the sign that he said he was going to give. And that was the sign that he gave, which was the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jews demand signs, Greeks desire wisdom, but he said, We proclaim Christ crucified. What? How is that the sign? How is that wisdom? The Greeks don't understand it. The Jews think that's the end. Well, this was our, our Messiah and now he's dead. Well, everybody pack up and go home. To your tents, Israel. That's what they would say. To the, to the a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. The message of the cross is that we have to die to ourselves in order to obtain everlasting life. And that is foolishness to the world. We have to die. So that we can live, die to ourselves and be reborn in the spirit of Christ. And that's what we do when we are baptized, when we give our lives to Christ, when we repent of our sin and trust 100% fully in the saving power of Jesus Christ. As we continue in our Lenten journey to the cross, we have to consider what the message of the cross is to those around us. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, tells us that the world sees the message of the cross as foolishness. Indeed, we cannot understand the message of the cross without the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And then and only then does it make sense. We were hopelessly trying our best to earn God's grace when His grace is given freely and cannot be earned by any of our deeds. We were wearying ourselves, trying to save ourselves, when the lifeline was right in front of us the whole time. The fact of the matter is, we cannot save ourselves. We had separated ourselves from God in sin, in our sin. And so God, in love, stepped into the world and became a man who lived a perfect, sinless life, and died the death that we deserve, so that by looking to Him, we can be rescued from sin and eternal punishment. When we die to ourselves and live for Christ, God gives us a new heart with new desires. We are made new in the Spirit of God, and our eyes are opened As we come to the communion table this day, consider all that God has done for you, not just in the shedding of blood, but also that he has given you the wisdom to understand it all. We do this in remembrance of God's mighty acts in Jesus Christ, fulfilled on the cross and sealed at the empty tomb. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we... We come to your communion table today to remember the things that you have done for us in Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that you have called us to a place where this message of the cross is no longer foolishness, but it rings true in our hearts and in our minds. We are so grateful, Lord, that you have rescued us from our sin. And we pray, Lord, that you will use us to speak the truth to others who are still living in the foolishness of the world. That they may know that there is a God in heaven who loves them and gave his life for them so that they might live forever. We thank you, Lord, for this truth. And we thank you for the wisdom that comes to us by your Holy Spirit. And now, Lord, as we do these acts in remembrance of your Son, Jesus Christ, fill us with your Spirit that we may know with assurance that we belong to you and to you alone. All this we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Guerrilla Christianity. My hope and prayer is that this time of listening to and learning from God's Word has blessed you as much as it has blessed me putting this message together. And God has also blessed me in appointing me to serve two churches in Salem County, New Jersey, Ebenezer United Methodist Church in Auburn and Hudson United Methodist Church in Pedricktown. If you don't have a church family to call your own and you live in the area, I'd like to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings. We are a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching, Christ-adoring faith community in the heart of New Jersey's farmland. Ebenezer meets for worship at 9 a.m., and Hudson meets for worship at 10.30. We also have Bible study during the week. And right now, during the COVID-19 crisis, we are meeting exclusively online through Facebook Live, and we'd be happy for you to join us wherever you are. Of course, if you don't live nearby, get involved with the church where you are. We are not called to be Christians in isolation, but in community. So I would encourage you to live out your faith with a group of like-minded believers wherever you are. Now, if you enjoy this podcast and would like to help support it, please share it with your friends and family. Hit like, leave a comment, and also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search for Guerrilla Christianity. Keep learning, keep growing, and I pray you will join us for Guerrilla Christianity again. Until next time, remember this, Christ died for you. Now go live for Christ.